Today's daf is daf Gimel in Mesechta Yevamis. And we're going to pick up with the very top word on Gimel Amid Aleph, even though we went a little further down, but let's go back to, uh, to the very top word. Okay, now, we're going to break up, just for, for introduction, we're going to break up today's daf, we're going to see the first half of the daf, it's going to take us into the middle of Amid Beis, is going to focus on the order in the Mishnah. In the Mishnah yesterday, we learned that there's 15 scenarios where Arias, Ervas, forbidden relationships, are not going to fall to the, to the uh, Yavam. Okay? Not only will the Arias, the Erva, not fall to the Yavam, but even her Tzara, even her co-wife, will not fall to the Yavam. And not only will the co-wife not fall to the Yavam, but the co-wife of a co-wife will not fall to a Yavam. We're going to wait for Amud Beis to explain that scenario because that's going to be the focus of Amud Beis. For Amud Aleph, right now what we started yesterday in the Gemara is why the order of the 15 is in its specific order. Things in life, our, specifically with our Chachamim, are very thought out. So we're not just going to give a list of 15 and take it like, oh, okay, fine. You know, that's the list. There's a svara. There's logic explaining why the, not only that these 15 cases apply, but also why it's listed in that order. Now, the first case that we gave was Bito, a person's daughter. We never really fully explained yesterday the case of the daughter. It's really the top of Daf Gimel that explains what's happening. Okay, so... The case of one's daughter here, and listen, I think there's a beautiful message in this, is talking about a daughter that came out of wedlock. Okay? Not only out of wedlock, primarily through rape. Primarily through rape. So you'd say, she's still his daughter. What's the Kiddush? What's the Kiddush over here, right? Teretz says something beautiful. You know, maybe she's not his daughter. It's actually a chiddush. You went ahead and violated a woman. Maybe we should tell the guy, you know what? You, you know how you're connected to this young lady? In no way, shape, or form. Maybe financially. But to say, oh, I'm her father? What'd you do? Nothing. You violated somebody else. Get out of here. She, this girl belongs to the mother. Who are you? To a point where perhaps we view him like he's so separate that it's a chiddush we even call her his daughter. Okay? But the Torah gives us, the Torah, it's a takachiddush. Through a drusha, we figure out that no, she's also called Bitai. But it's mamish, a beautiful musik. It's a beautiful idea over here. Just because a person got involved in a sexual relation with somebody else doesn't make you the father. Okay, there has to be a relationship there. There has to be something, some sort of investment that's uh, that's had. Okay, but be it as it may, the answer that we are in the middle of on the top of Daf Gimel Amar Aleph is we're starting with Bito because it took a drasha to tell me that he's going to be Chayev that she's that that, it, that she's going to be Chayev. Okay, says the Gemara. Here we go. Top word on Daf Gimel Amar Aleph. 
on on Gimel Amud Beis, we're going to get into, we're going to get back into uh, the Tzaras and the Tzara Tzara. Okay, for the time being, we're going to go through the order. Kulunami Midrasha, so ask the Gemara, all 15 cases are also learned out from Drasha. You need a Drasha to tell me why they're ushered to the Ibum. Not only the ladies, but their Tzaras and their Tzara Tzara. Says the Gemara, Nehi granted the Linin Ibum Asom Midrasha, that as far as Hilchas Yibum saying that there's no Yibum in these 15 cases, to the brother, granted it's turned out from a drusha. However, Iker Isurayo The fact that they're usher prohibited, they're an arayas to the brother, is explicit. Okay? For example, for example, Reuven and Shimon. Back to them, don't get nervous. Reuven. Um, Reuven and Shimon. Okay. Shimon marries Reuven's mother in law. That's permitted. My brother married my mother-in-law. Big deal. My brother dies without children. My mother-in-law is usher to me. I'm not allowed to marry her. Okay? That's explicitly in the Torah. So the relationship itself is not a Chiddush. It's that the Chiddush is that even though usually she's usher to me, I might think that that pro- prohibition maybe fell off due to Yibam. Kamash Malon, no. But the prohibition itself is no. By the daughter, however, the prohibition itself, when she's at a wedlock, is not explicit, is not well known. Even the Isser of the daughter is learned from Midrasha. The Omar Rav Rav says, Amali Rabbi Yisrael, by Rav Dimus, told me, Asya, Heina, Heina, Asya, Zima, Zima. We have two Xerashavas. We have the word Heina, Heina. And the Gzereshava of Zima Zima. So Mamela says the Gemara, bottom line, bottom line, why are we starting with Bitai? Why are we starting with the daughter? Because she has the largest drasha. She has the biggest drasha, took the most to figure this out, and therefore it's the most beloved. Says the Gemara, Hashta the Amrit, now that we said, Komis Milsa, anything, the Askami drasha, Chavivalei, anything that's learned out from a drasha is more beloved to a person. Of course, Geshmak, that's my place in Tyre of Meiridik, right? I'm so excited to share this first. So it says the Gemara, okay, Seder. So you explain to me why we start with Bito. Listeni la Achais Isha Libesaif. So then we should learn the case of Achais Isha last, because that's the most explicit. Right, remember, we learned yesterday that my sister-in-law, my wife's sister, that prohibition is explicitly. Why isn't that listed last as the last case in the Mishnah? Because, again, if we're going in the order of Mishnayas, that the biggest Chiddush first, the smallest Chiddush last, so your sister-in-law should be listed last. And the Misa, it's not. Answers the Gemara, Once we're dealing with the category, we're... We're dealing with siblings, specifically sisters. So once you're mentioning sisters, so we're going to mention your wife's sister as well. So where we're holding in the logic so far for the order of the Mishnah is start with Bito, start with daughter, because that's the biggest Chiddush. However, once you get going on this train of 15 situations, we're not always going to work with biggest Chiddush to smallest Chiddush. Once we bring up a specific category of Arias, we're going to list everything in that category. So once we're dealing with siblings, a generational, right? So I'll deal with my wife's sister, genera- same generation. So why don't we wait to teach the whole thing about siblings last, because it's the smallest Chiddush. 
Says the Gemara, okay, that's a valid point. Ella, Tana, Korve, Korve, Nakat. Rather, once we started with the daughter, which is the biggest Chiddush, our Mishnah is continuing and working within the closest blood relation. How so? Tana Bitai. So first, how, here's the order. Ready? The Gemara's the Gemara not going to go through it for us. Beautifully. First, we're starting with daughter. That's flesh and blood. Once we mention daughter, we're going to talk about Bas Bito, your daughter's daughter, Ubas Mena, and the daughter of your son. We'll talk about granddaughters through my daughter and my son. That's my own flesh and blood. Yeah, that's I, because of the, the, this child being born into the world, because of me. So now there's this child and further descendants. Sometimes we view our children as individuals. Right? Sometimes forget children. Sometimes we view people as individuals. We have to realize they're much larger than that. They're much broader. People have this, this so broad. Mamish this week's parsha. Who Adam Adam ki yakriv mikem parshas veikra? We spoke this out with him in Chamar a few days ago. The Torah says Adam ki yakriv mikem when a man brings from amongst you. The Medrash tells us who Adam who maod. Adam is maod. Adam is very, which means he's unlimited. It's unlimited. Everything else in my sabrachus is tov. Is Rav Hutner says as limit tov means it's good, but it could be counted. Even the oceans, it's limited. The only thing that's not counted is Adam. So after Hashem made Adam, he looked at the world, he said, Tov ma'od. Ma'od means very. There's no limit on the word very. Okay? So, that comes from him. Beautiful. And once we're mentioning him, his daughters and his granddaughters, So too, we're now, when you talk about his children and not his wife's children and grandchildren. Oh, so one's talking about that, so now we're going to move on. To his wife and her children and her grandchildren. And then once we're talking about her and her children and her grandchildren. Okay, we say like this. Once we're talking about, uh, about the Yavam's wife, let's now talk about his wife's previous generations, meaning his mother-in-law and his grandmother-in-law. Okay, beautiful. Did I skip? Beautiful. And then we talk about his generation, not his flesh and blood from him, but his flesh and blood from his parents, meaning same generation, his sister and, um, and his mother's sister and aunt, because these also are his direct relatives, meaning they're related to him through blood. And once we're dealing with blood prohibitions, as opposed to people who are prohibited to you due to marriage, we're now going to talk about the sister of your wife, which is not a blood problem, but we're back to that generation thing. And logic would now dictate the Kadma Lekalasai to now put the prohibition of one's daughter-in-law Mikame Eshes Achiv in to list that before your brother's wife Shiloi Hayabai Lamai who's not yet in the world. Why does it make sense to prohibit your daughter-in-law the situation of daughter-in-law that there's no yibum before mentioning there's no yibum on a brother that's not yet been born? Because they're not prohibited due to any sort of blood relation. They're prohibited due to marriage. Okay. What we call mechutanim uh, type of uh, relationship, yeah. 
And now that we're dealing with the the issue and the prohibition on him of his siblings, we'll talk about his sister-in-law through his brother, his brother's wife, who's not in this world. Okay, remember what was that scenario where somebody dies childless and then his brother is born afterwards. So the brother that's born after the brother dies does not do, there's no yibum. The, the, the wife does not now faulty, which by the way, you could run into big problems. If there would be yibum, right? Imagine if you have a guy 30 years old, kicks the bucket without children. His wife is just a regular widow. There's no brother. She remarries. She has two kids. Five years later, her previous husband's mother has a baby boy. Oy vey, Izmir. Oy vey. You imagine? You imagine? Now you're going to say there's Yibam. Baruch Hashem, there's no Yibam. Right? She's going to be prohibited to him forever as brother's wife. But there's not going to be, there's no issue of Yibam. And then afterwards, um, he mentions the case of the daughter-in-law. Period. We're done. Givaldi. So the Gemara, what the Gemara just did for half an Amud is explain to us the reasoning for the order of the list of the 15 Arayas. Why it's listed in the Mishnah, it's thought out, there's Svara, and this is how we need to be as well. Don't just spew, don't just say, there has to be Seder, there has to be thought out, there's structure to our Mishnayas, beautiful. Okay. The Gemara is now going to shift gears, but continue to pick apart the Mishnah. Not within the circumstances, but within the expressions. Let's, we're up to Umay area, but let's look back at our Mishnah. Okay, if we turn back to the Beis Aleph, let's look at the words of the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, in the, in the beginning, Chamesh Esrei Nashim, there are 15 women, Potros Tsarosehem, that because of their relationship to the Yavam, they patter. They make it that there's no obligation of Yibam. Okay? There's no obligation of Yibam. That's what patter means. Patter means there's no obligation of Yibam. Now, yesterday in our introduction, we taught that if there's no obligation of Yibam, isn't it forbidden for them to marry? You're not allowed to marry your, you're not allowed to marry your brother's wife. Reuven and Shimon are brothers. Shimon's married to Leah. Shimon dies. If he has children, can Reuven never marry Leah? No. You're not it's Asumidaraisa to marry your brother's wife. If he's childless, then oh, it's a mitzvah. Right? The Gemara is going to ask a basic question. Why does our mission say there's 15 women where you're putter? You don't have to do yibum. Ask the Gemara. It should say, you're chayav if you do yibum. Right? There's 15 women that if you marry them, you're, it's also daraisa. That's what it should say. Don't tell me putter. Tell me usher. Let's read this inside. Says the Gemara, Umar Iriya the Tani Paitrais. Why did the Tana choose the word Putter. There's 15 situations, 15 women. You're putter from Yibam. Listen, also, since you say there's 15 women, that it's usher to do Yibam. It's usher to marry them. It's forbidden. 
Answers the Gemara. No, we don't want to use the word forbidden. You know why? Very interesting. Because there are certain scenarios where you're not allowed to do Yibam, but you're still going to have to do a Chalitza. The Itani Eisreis, if we would have used the word Isser, prohibition, Hava Amina Asserli Yabim, I would say, listen, it's prohibited to do Yibam. But it's proper to do chalitza because there are some scenarios where chalitza is going to be done. We're going to learn about it a little a little later. So we don't want to just say usher because usher could be listen. It's forbidden to marry, but maybe chalitza. Really, in our scenarios, do you do chalitza? No, because the yibum never started, and therefore we say putter kamash malan. The chiddush is. That they're completely putter, they're completely done. Says the Gemara, okay, fine, I'll give that to you. But still, let the Mishnah say, the listening asura lachlos. Let the Mishnah say it's forbidden to marry, forbidden uh, to do chalitza. Instead of saying putter, say there's 15 women who it's asura to do chalitza. Says the Gemara, who says it's asura to do chalitza? What's the problem? You take off the guy's shoes, spit in it, like what? Usher, Micah Ovid, what's going to happen if you do chalitza? If you do chalitza, you walk up to a woman and you say, hey, let's do chalitza. She unties his shoes, she spits in it, she says, so you're going to look at them and you're going to say, all right, very cool. <laughs> it's not usher. You guys are just strange. Right? It's not, it's not prohibited. Micah Ovid, what's wrong with doing chalitza? Stamazai. Says the Gemara. Alam alay. Why would? Uh, why is it not usher to do chalitza? Because I'll tell you why you can't do chalitza. You know why? Because if we would allow people to do chalitza, people may come to think that in this scenario you can also do yibum. Because usually chalitza and yibum go hand in hand. So says the Gemara. Tendler, you want to machayzik? You want to make a joke and say, "Oh, you want to walk over to somebody and spit in their shoe?" Eh? Spit next to the untie the shoe and spit next. You think it's no big deal? It is a big deal. You know why it's a big deal? Because if people start doing that, they're going to look at the chalitza and say, "Oh, chalitza!" One second, it must be they could have done yibum because usually the two things go hand in hand. So says the Gemara. You're right. You're right. We th- that should bother us. It should bother us to say to do chalitza. So Taka, we're back to our question. Why does it say putter? Answers the Gemara, the final answer, Kivan since. Since when there would be a mitzvah of Yibam, the, the Tzara is going to be Aser, Sharia, but if there's no Yibam, then she is Aser, Mishum Tani, Mishum Hachi, because of this, Tani Paitrais, we say they Pater, their tzara, they completely exempt the kowaif. Pause, let's explain. Let's go back to Reuven and Shimon. This actually is very, very, this, this is easy. This is, this is logic here. So ready? Follow along. Reuven and Shimon are brothers. Shimon is married to Reuven's daughter. Let's take that case, Bito again. Okay, that was like the classic case. And Shimon dies childless. Shimon was married to Ruvain's daughter, plus he had another wife. 
Okay? Do either of them fall to Reuven and Yibam? No. Again, Shimon had two wives, Reuven's daughter and another wife. And Shimon dies childless. Do either one of them fall in Yibam to Reuven? No. Because wife number one is Reuven's daughter. He can't marry her. And wife number two is, Ru- is the tzara of his daughter. So he doesn't, they don't fall to him either. The tzara doesn't fall to him either. So what is this? What is this? Garnished. Okay. So everything's good? Next case. Ready? If let's say my brother Shimon was married to somebody, another Arias of mine, another Arias, let's say my wife's sister, Reuven's wife's sister married Shimon. Two brothers married two sisters. Okay. Shimon had a, an additional wife as well. And Shimon dies. So let's go, make, make guys ask if you're not getting this. Shimon was married to Reuven's wife's sister plus another woman. And Shimon dies childless. Do these two women fall to Reuven and Yibam? No. Because he's not allowed to marry his wife's sister. And he can't marry her tzara either. Okay? However, listen to this. If let's say Yibum doesn't even start, say there's no Yibum. Chais, there's no Yibum. The Tzara of Shimon never really became, never fell to Reuven in Yibum. And therefore the Tzara is going to be permitted to him. The only time, here, here, let's encapsulate this in one sentence. The only time the Tzara of an Arias becomes forbidden to me is when they fall together in Yibum. But if they're never falling to me together in Yibum, that Tzara never became Usher. And therefore, if she's Lemaisa, not Narayas to Ruvain, Ruvain's allowed to go ahead and marry her. That's why we say Pater. Because you're not obligated. We also, you're allowed to marry the Tzara. Because the Tzara, Lemaisa, is not Narayas. Okay. Fine. That explains the word Pater. Viter. Let's keep going. Says the Gemara, Umay irya detani menachalitza menayibum. The Gemara asks, why do you got to say they're putter from chalitza and yibum? Generally, chalitza and yibum go hand in hand. Once I know they're putter from yibum, I know there's no chalitza. Once I know you don't need to do chalitza, I know there's no yibum. Okay? Listening, menayib lechudei. Just say, there's no obligation of yichud. Of yichud. There's no obligation of yibum. And once there's no obligation of Yibum, I'll know. You're not obligated in Chalitz either. Says the Gemara, wrong. That doesn't apply all the time. Because Itanam and Ayibum, if I would have just said that these 15 women are putter from Yibum, Havamina, I would have thought to say, Michlatz Chalitza. You need to do, these 15 women need to do a Chalitza. Yivu may let me have it, but you can't do Yibum because of the Arias that remains in place. But maybe Chalitza should be done. Kamash Malan, therefore the... Huh? Why should it be done? Why should the Chalitza be done? Is that your question? Yeah. I'll tell you why. 
what's the reason? What's the reason why Reuven cannot marry his daughter when his brother dies? What's the reason why not? She's an erva. She's an erva. But th- but didn't his brother die childless? What's that? Didn't his brother die childless? Yeah, but 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 she happens to be. But that's a separate halacha. Oh, very good. But what's, very good. But that's a separate halacha. Good. Very good. However, what's the halacha? That you can't marry her. That's it. But maybe, so maybe, says the Gemara, maybe we should tell Ruvain, do chalitza on your daughter. You can't marry her, but Lamaisa, your brother died childless, so you can't, you can't do yibum, but at Chodj, do chalitza. So what is that going to come? What's it going to accomplish? It'll get rid of any sort of bond, and now she can go marry another guy. The Gemara's. You mean to say that that uh, that uh, in that case that she can't go out and get married to a, a, another person? That's right. When a when a man dies childless and there's brothers, yeah. it's forbidden for even another man to marry her. Brother, even though the brothers can't uh, marry her. Well, if if, if none of the brothers if none of the brothers can marry her, yeah. if none of them can marry her, then she's free to go. Yeah, okay. But I would have thought that maybe we should tell them at least do chalitza. Let's back up. Let's pause. Let me. I I, I love your question. It's forcing articulation. So let's do this. I would have thought if a man dies childless. There's an automatic connection between his wife and his brothers. And if it so happens to be that they can't marry her, sedu chalitza. That's what I would have thought. You understand? Why not? The Torah says when a man dies childless, his brothers are obligated to marry her. No, the Torah doesn't say that. The Torah says if you turn her down, it says that if you turn her down, if you are supposed to marry her, and you turn her down... Yeah, then, then you do chalitza. Well, that's not the exact wording. That's, that's, not the, the way you get, that's the way you get out of it. Okay, well, that, that'll be the answer. That'll be the answer. Right now we're understanding the Havamina. The Havamina, the Gemara is saying yeah. what, I, what I would have thought is that every time a man dies childless... She automatically is connected to the brothers. And if there's another reason why she can't marry them, so tell the brothers, don't marry her, but do chalitza. That's it. But she's not scot-free. That's what I would have thought. That's the Havamina. Kamash Malan, therefore, it lets us know, kol ha'ila le'yibam o'ila chalitza. Only if there would have been yibam, do you need to do chalitza. V'chol she'ena o'ila le'yibam, but anything that doesn't enter the category of yibam... It doesn't enter the category of chalitza. You don't need to do chalitza either. Okay. Says the Gemara of Elisni min ayibam umin achalitza. So let the Tana tell us that she's putter from yibam and chalitza. Okay. What did the Mishnah say? This is interesting. If you look back at the Mishnah, it says they putter them and their tsaras from chalitza and yibam. In the Mishnah on Bezobad Aleph, we list Chalitza first, as if like that's the number one option. 
the Gemara says, why don't we say Yibum before Chalitza? Inami mina Chalitza lechudei. Or just say Chalitza itself. Meaning if Chalitza and Yibum go hand in hand, and you tell me she can't do Chalitza, she doesn't need Chalitza, so then I certainly know they can't do Yibum. Abashol who says the Gemara, no, the Mishnah is Abashol, the Omar, Mitzvah, Chalitza, Kedemes, the Mitzvah, Yibum. The Mitzvah of Chalitza comes before the mitzvah of Yibum, period. What does this mean? This Abashol is Halacha Lemaisa. This is Halacha Lemaisa. Listen to this. Listen to this psak of Abashol. We're going to come up later in the Masechta. Rabiel, hold on to your seat. Ready? Abashol says, whenever you have a Yavama situation, the brother is obligated to marry her solely for the sake of perpetuating his brother's name. And if he's marrying her for any other reason, like falling in love with her, so to speak, if you want to use that Gaisha expression, mm-hmm. then it's Asr Dairaisa. Because you didn't get your Mitzvah so you're back to having the prohibition of you just married your brother's wife. It is. Sabashol says, who can trust themselves to marry a woman not for her, not for her personality, not for her style, not for, what, not for having a companion, but you're marrying her for your brother. Therefore, says Abishol, you know what I recommend? He says, don't do it. Anytime this happens, do chalitza. Practically speaking, us Ashkenazim, we don't do yibam. If it ever happens, if it ever happens, we do chalitza. Because, uh, one of the reasons is because of this svara. Doesn't, I don't know if necessarily the Shulchan Aruch, the Mechaber doesn't necessarily agree with this. But the Ramah does paskin like this. It's, just, it's fascinating to know that it has to be Lishma. That's a, it's a Chiddush. It has to be Lishma. Okay, Beseder. So we just clarified why we use the word putter and why we say your putter from Chalitza before Yibum. Because what we just learned is we prefer Chalitza over Yibum. Gvaldik. Okay, now the Gemara says like this. There's a rule. Whenever a Mishnah gives a number, it's coming to say specifically this number and nothing else. Our Mishnah said, there's 15 women that it's usher to do Yibum and Chalitzon. Let me ask you a question. We can count up to 15. I know at the Pesach Seder we get stuck at 10. Right? That's, uh, but we make it up to 13, Lamaisa, towards the end of the Seder. We can still get to 13 after four cups of wine. You know, we can still uh, get up there. 15. You don't need to count for me. Why is the Mishnah giving a number? Not only does the Mishnah give a number, if you look back at the Mishnah, in the beginning of the Mishnah it says, there's 15 women that potter up. And then at the end of the Mishnah, again, the, the Mishnah again says on these 15 women, right? So it says it twice. Twice says 15. So the Gemara is now going to try to understand what's with the number 15. The numbers 15 in the beginning of the Mishnah, what's that coming to exclude? The number 15 in the Seifa, what's that coming to exclude? We now turn to the top of Amr Beis. Says the Gemara, Lemute de Rav Udravasi is coming to exclude the case of Rav and Ravasi. In the Gemara that we learned 
um, uh, in the Gemara that we learned, which is that um, if you have a woman who's usher to her husband, and then her husband dies childless, so they, um, uh, according to our Mishnah, their co-wives are still going to fall to Yibam. So we say 15 as opposed to, what's it excluding? It's excluding a case where Shimon was married to a woman who purposely had sexual relations with another man. Now what happens when a woman, a wife, a full-fledged wife on her own accord goes and sleeps around with other men? Her husband's forbidden to her. Then Shimon, her husband, before he's able to give her a get, dies childless. Okay? Now, this woman who's sleeping around, let's say, was Ruvain's daughter. So does her tzara, right? So Shimon was now married to the, the Arias, but the Arias wasn't really allowed to be married to him in the first place because they should have been divorced. And then he dies. So now you have the Arias falls to Ruvain plus the tzara who falls to Ruvain. Okay? So Rav and Ravasi said that even in such a scenario... There's no yibam at all for them, for their tzara and whatever. Our Mishnah is saying no. There is, there is yibam to the co-wife of a woman who's mezan. Okay, so let's give the story according to, the, according to our Mishnah. According to our Mishnah, let's say the story now. Ruvain and Shimon are brothers. Shimon marries Ruvain's daughter and another woman. His two wives. Ruvain's daughter goes and sleeps around. Shimon hasn't divorced her yet, and now he kicks the bucket. Is there Yibum? According to our Mishnah, there's no Yibum on Ruvain's daughter, obviously. But there is Yibum on the Tzara. The Tzara will still fall to Ruvain and Yibum. That's going to be the halach of our mission. That's why it says only 15 women exempt their tsaras because there's another case, there's other cases where they're not going to exempt the tsaras. For example, if she was sleeping around or she was an islandess. Fascinating. Now, I want to make a side point that's crucial to know for Yavamas. It didn't need to be brought up until now, but I'm, I'm just going to share it in a way of information and we'll see how it comes up. There's some women that are forbidden to marry, but it's still a valid marriage. There's other women that are Arias, that it's forbidden to marry them, and it's not even a marriage. For example, if I walk over to my mother, and I say, Mom, harayat mikudashasli, and I put a ring on her finger, am I married to her? No. You're not married. If a man walks over to another man and puts a ring on his finger, are they married? No. A woman walks over to what? You're not married. I don't care what you said. I don't care what ring you're putting on a finger. You're not married. Okay. Call it something else. Doesn't matter. You're not married. If a Kohen walks over to a divorcee, and puts a ring on her finger and says, Are they married? Yes. They're forbidden to be together, but they're married. So there are certain arayas, certain forbidden relationships, where it's not even valid. And then other times, it is. 
why am I bringing that up over here? This is going to be a Yisrael that's going to come up often in Yavamas, and we're going to learn when we say it is valid, when we say it's not valid. But the reason why I bring it up over here is because we have a scenario where Shimon's wife is forbidden to him, but they're still married. Right? Because she was sleeping around with other men on her own accord. Or islanders. They had a valid marriage. Lemaisa, they were married. They just weren't allowed to be together. And he was obligated to divorce her. Over Lemaisa, they were full-fledged married. So I would think, says Rav and Ravasi, since they were full-fledged married, and then he died. So not only is Ruvain's daughter not going to fall to him because she's an Arias, but even the Tzara, listen, she was full-fledged married. While our Misha says no. Yeah, they were married, true, but she couldn't fall in Yibam because she was forbidden to her husband, and therefore the, Arai, the, the Tzara also. Okay, says the Gemara, fine. According to Rav and Ravasi, if you have a woman who's, who's uh, sleeping with other men and her husband dies childless, so she is included in the case of the Mishnah. Yeah, she does not fall to Yibam and neither does her Tzara. So according to them, what's, it com- what's the number 15 coming to exclude? Answers the Gemara, Isvir Lula Dadi. Rav and Ravasi hold of each other who say, One's coming to exclude the tsara of a woman who could be memayin, a woman who's 11 years old and can refuse the marriage. Remember, we learned that story, we learned that scenario in our Mishnah, right? When uh, uh, you have a girl who's 11 and the mother and brother marry her off, she can walk away. Let's say she's 11 and her husband dies childless. So she's not going to exempt her tsara. She's not going to exempt because she was only rabbinically married. Okay. The one's coming to exclude a machzir grushasai. What's the case of machzir grushasai? So, um, Ruvain's married to a woman and they get divorced. This is halacha lemaise, practical halacha. Ruvain's married to a woman and they get divorced. His wife goes and marries Shimon and they get divorced. Can Ruvain take his wife back? No. A couple that gets divorced can only remarry if the wife did not marry anybody else in the interim. If she marries someone else in the interim, she's then forbidden to her original husband. But if her original husband does marry her, it's a valid marriage. It's a valid marriage. So, Shimon, let's say Shimon takes his machshir grushosai. So he's married, but then he dies childless. So now he's got a machzer grushasai plus a tzara. What's the halacha? The tzara is not excluded from yibum. There will be yibum on the tzara, according to the other opinion. And if they don't hold of each other's opinions, then one, then you're just going to switch it up and say one's coming to exclude his friend's case. Period. Okay, same thing. Basically. We want to know what's number 15 coming to exclude. So we have, it's either coming to exclude a scenario of an islandess or a woman who's ushered to her husband because she was sleeping around. According to Rav and Ravasi who say that they're even included in the Mishnah, it's coming to include, exclude different cases of either a girl who could refuse a marriage because she's at that young age or somebody who's Maxir Grushase. Says the Gemara to wrap up this topic. According to Rav and Ravasi, who hold that if you have a woman who's sleeping around and her husband dies, her and her tzara 
are both putter from Yibum, why isn't it listed in the Mishnah? If Taka, she's not going to fall to Yibum. And her tzara is not going to fall to Yibum, because that's their opinion. So list it. Says the Gavara, Lefisha Eina Batsara Sara, because it doesn't continue on to the co-wife's co-wife, period. Okay. Now, now that we're talking about co-wife's co-wife, let's pause, and the rest of today's daf is going to talk about co-wife's co-wife. And let's explain. Let's explain. Okay. We, we explained this yesterday when we read the Mishnah. Worthwhile chazring. The first four or five daf, by the way, of Maseches Yavamis is don't get nervous. It's really just laying the foundations. Okay? It's familiarizing ourselves with these ideas, these expressions, the ideas of how, uh, how this all pans out. All right. So let's press stop and talk. We're going to give a story. Here's the story. Reuven and Shimon are brothers. There's also a third brother whose name is Levi. Okay? His name's Levi. Shimon married Reuven's daughter. He married his niece. That's the case of Bitoi. Okay? He married his niece. Plus he has another wife who's the Tsaris of Reuven's daughter. So all we have right now, let's explain. You have Reuven, Shimon, who has two wives, a regular wife and Reuven's daughter. And then there's Levi. Levi's married to some lady, also unrelated. Okay. So again, who's involved? Reuven, he doesn't make a difference whether he's married right now or not. Reuven, Shimon has two wives. Ruvain's daughter and another random wife, unrelated. Levi has one wife. Clear? Yeah. Okay, any questions yet on that story? No, beautiful. Shimon dies childless. Okay? So now let's take this slow. We now have Ruvain. We have Shimon's widows... One of them being Ruvain's daughter and a random woman, and still Levi and his wife. Okay. Can Ruvain do Yibum on either of Shimon's wives? No. Because one wife is his daughter, and the other wife is the tsara of his daughter. And therefore, they're both forbidden to him. His daughter is forbidden to him because his daughter, and the other one is now keeps her status of being my brother's wife, who I can't marry, because since there's no Yibam, I'm for, Ruvain's out. Levi is not out. Levi has a random wife. Can Levi marry Ruvain's daughter? Sure. She's his niece. She's not an Arias to Levi. The same way Shimon married her, Levi's allowed to marry her. Levi is allowed to marry Ruvain's daughter. Levi is also allowed to marry Shimon's other wife. He can marry either one. Okay, so so far, who do we have? Ruvain's out of the picture. Shimon's dead. We now have two widows, and Levi gets to choose which one of these two widows is going to be his second wife. Guess what? 
Levi decides, I don't want to marry my niece. So he marries the other wife. He, mar- he, ma- he, he marries the Tzara. He marries Shimon's other wife, not his niece. Yeah, he doesn't want to marry Denise. He doesn't like Denise. Okay. He doesn't like Denise. He wants to marry the other lady. So he does Yibum on the Tzara. So now what do we have? Who's left? You said he wants to marry the Tzara. Yeah, he's married to the Tzara. He marries the Tzara. Right. So what do you mean he does Yibum? He does Yibum on the Tzara. Yeah, okay. Okay, so now let's pause again and take stock of what happened. Reuven is out. Shimon is dead. Shimon's wife, Reuven's daughter, is out. She could go marry whoever she wants now. Shimon's other wife is now Levi's second wife. Okay. Now, ready? Levi dies childless. So, who's left? This is like five monkeys sitting in a bed. One fell off and bumped his head. Levi dies childless. Shimon's dead. Levi's dead. Shimon's daughter, the daughter of Reuven is gone. So now there's two wives of Levi that are going to fall in Yibum to Reuven. Are any of them Reuven's daughters? No. However, one of them was previously forbidden to Levi as his daughter Sarah. Therefore, Ruvain cannot marry that woman, the original Sarah, and he's also forbidden to the Tsaras Sarah. He cannot marry either one of Levi's wives. That's the case of Tsaras Sarah. Because the tsara that Levi married is as if it's Ruvain's daughters. You know what I'm saying? She was the tsara of Ruvain's daughter, and since she was previously forbidden to him, she married Levi. But now Levi's dead. She still cannot marry Ruvain. And since she cannot marry Ruvain, even her tsara cannot marry Ruvain. And by the way, this keeps going on. All you need to do is add another brother, add another tsara, and this could go on for a hundred steps if a guy's got a hundred sons. So now that we have that cold, the rest of the daf's going to flow. Here we go. Says the Gemara, are you kidding me? You're going to tell me that Ruvain's daughter was prohibited. So now her tzara's prohibited. And when Levi marries the tzara, even his other wife becomes a... Prove it. So what we're going to do for the rest of today's daf is go through various drushes. It's a lot easier. Once we hop this case, the rest of that flows. It's easy. Yeah, it's going to flow good. It's going to say, prove it. How do you know that even the Tzara Tzara is putter from evil? Okay, let's get into this. How do we know that all these people are exempt from Yibam? The Tanra Abonah, because the rabbis learn so should we. Ah, Tanra Abonah, a woman and her sister, you're not allowed to marry. You can't marry, one man cannot marry two sisters. It's a pasuk. Litzrar, to make them tsaris. You're not allowed to marry two women as co-wives, two sisters as co-wives. The galo sarvasa aleha, to reveal her nakedness upon her, b'chayeha, 
in her life. Now, according to this pasuk, it seems to imply if I marry a woman, I'm only forbidden to her sister as long as my wife's alive. Mm-hmm. You can't marry two sisters bichayeha in the life. Okay, it says Allaha on her bichayeha. Allaha ma tamalaymar. What does the word Allaha mean? You can't marry a sister on her in her life. Since it uses the word Allaha bayevama. Okay, that when a man dies childless, his wife can marry his brother. Shemeani, I learned from here. Afilu ba'achas mikol arayas amuras b'tayra kosmedaber. So I, what, what I would hear from this is, any time you have an arayas, but the husband dies childless, that woman's going to fall to yibum. Okay, meaning, meaning, yibum removes the prohibition of my brother's wife. I would think maybe it also moves, removes every prohibition. Mm. Why only the prohibition of my brother's wife at all? Maybe it should remove the prohibition of being my mother-in-law. Usually I can't marry my, brother-in-law, my mother-in-law. But if my mother-in-law was married to my brother and he dies childless, maybe I could. So to say that that's incorrect, there's a drusha. It says, Aleha Bayibum. Namar uh, Khan, I'm sorry. It says Aleha by my by my wife's sister, my sister-in-law. It says Aleha as well. Just like by Yibum, I'm only allowed to marry my sister-in-law when it's a mitzvah. So too, it's it's still prohibited these other arayas even when there's a mitzvah. And therefore, the Torah says No. Any other Arias, you're not allowed to take her. You're not allowed to marry her. Okay. Says the Gemara, fine. So I'm not allowed to marry the Arias. I can't marry my mother-in-law when she was... I can't do Yibam on my mother-in-law. Okay? Because that prohibition is going to remain in place. Fine. But how do I know that her co-wife is also prohibited to me? How do I know there's Yibam on the co-wife? Shimon was, again, Shimon's married to my mother-in-law and another woman. I get now, because of the word Allah, I get why I cannot, there, there's no mitzvah of Yibam on the mother-in-law. But what about her co-wife? She's not my mother-in-law. Let me do Yibam on her. I only know that my mother-in-law is prohibited. I know my mother-in-law's co-wife. There's no Yibam. Talmud Laimar, it says, Litzrar, to make them tzaras, the only Ella, meaning I can't even take a tsara of my mother-in-law. The only Ella tsara okay, beseder. So I know I can't take my mother-in-law's tsara because it says litzor. But how do I know that if this, if the tsara of my mother-in-law went and married another brother, that her tsara is going to be usher? Tsara tsara minayin tamar lemar litzor two rishes v'lay latzur. It's written in a strange way. Two rishes, which is litzor to keep. Co-wives going to keep the tsaras going, that's prohibited, and not only litzor. Now, once it says two, okay, once it says two, we're going to take that and say it's just perpetual, because litzor is an expression where it's just continuous. So, so far, what we have is, what we just learned is that if a brother dies childless and the brother's wife 
has any other prohibited reason to his brothers, not only will she not fall to Yibum because of Aleha, but even her co-wife will not fall to Yibum because of Litzrar, because of Latsur, and the co-wife of the co-wife won't fall to Yibum either because it, it says Litzrar. It could have said Latsur. Now it says Litzrar, which means it's perpetual. Okay. Now, the word Aleha, again, is written about my wife's sister, my sister-in-law. Says the Gemara, maybe that's the only time you're not allowed to do Yibam. Maybe it's specific to my sister-in-law. Maybe that erva remains in place, but not elsewhere. Okay? Now, before we move on to the next question, I want to say something else. Outside of the Gemara. Yesterday in our introduction, we pointed out that there's two times where we really find some sort of Yibam in Torah and Megillah. Yehuda with Tamar. Story of Yehuda with Tamar. Tamar, Yehuda had three sons. The first son died childless, right? The other son, Yehuda didn't want to marry. So Tamar went ahead and she dressed up like a harlot and she got Yehuda to have relations with her and that's that's uh, who we are now as Klal Yisrael, and that's Malchus based David, comes from that. Fine. Now, that Yibam was not done with a brother. That Yibam was done with the father of the husband. Right. Another case of Yibam is by Rus and Boaz. Rus was married to a Yid. Her husband dies childless. A distant cousin, Boaz, did Yibam on her. Okay? And it calls it that. The Megillah kind of calls it like there's an element of Yibam. So, just to point out, there's... Yibam is something that is so important for the perpetuation of the, uh, of the Neshama. The only reason why, see, Yehuda and Tamar were before Matan Torah. But even then, there was an understanding that if somebody dies childless, somebody else in the family is supposed to step up and continue the brother's name. Even if it's not the brother. Somebody's supposed to step up. So Tamar said, if a brother's not doing it, there's no prohibition before Matan Torah of marrying my father-in-law. So, my father-in-law is obligated. He's next. He's obligated to do this. That's, there's something there. So the father will, will, will step up on behalf of his son. Boaz is a distant relative, but okay. But the Maisi, even when he married Rus, this wasn't like, it seems from the Megillah, from Megillah's Rus, it wasn't really a, a new, a brand new marriage that was happening. It seemed like Boaz's intent was to step up on behalf of his cousin. And to fill that role and to, and to perpetuate his name in Klal Yisrael. It's, it seems like there's something very crucial, very chasha, very important over here. About this mitzvah. To, uh, to ensure that the, the neshama keeps going. If you look in the, the Sfarim HaKadoshim, you should know it's even brought down. Yeah, I'll get to you in a, in a moment. The Sfarim HaKadoshim say in somehow, shape or form, the child that comes out of a Yibam marriage is a chilek of the neshama of the brother. It kind of brings the brother back to life. According to the Sfar, there's, you know, in addition to just perpetuating his name, 
What's a name? It's part of the neshama. So the, according to the Sfarim, there's, there's a, a lot to that as well. What, what's hard is that they were picked it. Listen to this. I saw somewhere, there's, there's Taisvis at the end of uh, Mayir Katan says, he's bothered why, why Nashim starts with Yavamas. Let us start with Kedushin, right? Let us start with the laws of marriage, something, and then go into Gitin, and then Yavama. Like, why are you starting with Yavama? So Taisvis talks about how in the end of Mayir Katan, which is really the end of Mayid, uh, it talks about death, and therefore Yavama starts with the death of a person. That's Taisvis, and Mayir Katan says, but there's, uh, there's a, I, I saw quoted somewhere, I didn't see this inside, that Rebbe HaKadosh, the author of Mishnah, is a descendant of David HaMalach, and therefore his whole existence was because of Yavamas. Was because of Tamar and Yehuda, and because of Bayaz and Rus, that's Mamish David. And therefore Rebbe HaKadosh, who's a descendant of David HaMalach, as soon as it started talking about Nashim, he said, oh, Yavamas. I'm going to establish Yavamas right here because this is why I'm here. This is, this is Okay, interesting. But yeah, it's, it's fascinating how, how we're all established on this. Okay, it's a It's running late. We're going to try to get the daf done within the hour. We're going to have to cover a little bit of ground. Here we go. Says the Gemara, I only know that a wife's sister and her wife and her co-wife, so on and so forth, are usher for our putter from Yibum. Sha'ar Arayas Menayin. Henry replies to other Arayas as well. Amr, you're going to say, Just like my wife's sister is a unique scenario, she erva. She is an Arayas. She's a forbidden relative to me. And if I sleep with my wife's sister, I'm going to be obligated in Kares if I do it on purpose. And if it's unintentionally then I'm going to be chayev a carbon chatos, unintentional means, you know, I married a woman and it turns out that five years after we got married, she was a biological sister of, of uh, I thought she was somebody else. And it turned out she was adopted, and uh, right? It was unintentional. So there she's also for Yibam. I've called, so to any scenario, she erva, where she's forbidden. Where only if it would be a Kares transgression. But that's where we're going to say that not only is she also to do Yibam, but even her co-wife and her co-wife's co-wife. And the other hand, I only, I'm sorry, I don't know the, I don't know the co-wives yet. I only know the, the, all the Arias themselves. Sorry, I say I'm and I am handle their co-wives also are do not fall to Yibam. Amrit, you're going to say, just like my, my wife's sister is unique. Shehi erva, she is forbidden to me. If I do it on purpose, if I marry her on purpose, I'm chayv karis. If I do it by mistake, I'm chayv achatos. And her co-wife is usher. The same way, basically, we're just saying the same thing. We're just extending the wife-sister prohibition. The same way by her, it applies to the tzara, as we learned out from the word tzarar, right? Tzarar, as we explained earlier. So, too, it applies to her tzara. From here, the chachamim say, our Mishnah of 15 women, beautiful. Okay. So now we have an explanation. We know clear, clear. It doesn't. If an arayas falls to me, even though the pasuk said specifically by my wife's sister, but if an arayas, any arayas falls to me, their tsaras, the tsaras of the tsaras, all of them actually don't fall. They're all putter from yibum. Yibum does not apply. Okay. 
Says the Gemara, Yochel, I might think Shani Marba Afshesh Arayas Chamuras Meilu. I might think that we're going to include six Arayas that are more Chamur than whatever is listed in the Mishnah. I lost the place. I'm sorry. Shehut Sarei Sam Asurais will say that their Tsaris are also forbidden for these six Arayas that we're going to speak about. Amrit, you're going to say, that my wife's sister, which is explicitly the Apostle, is unique. She, she's forbidden. She's chayav if I sleep with her on purpose, Kuris. I'm chayav if I sleep with her. And I'm chayav if I sleep, if I, if I sleep with her. And she can marry one of the brothers, and she's still going to be usher to the Yavam. Her tzara is also going to be usher. Afkol, so too, right? Which is the case of Arayas, which is the case of uh, tzara. Afkol, so too. She, uh, any case, Shehi Erva, where she's an Arayas, she's an Erva, she's forbidden. Mechiyavanos, then a Kares, Vashikachatas, and there's Kares on purpose. Chatas, Peshoigig, Ve'evshalinosi, La'achim, Vashul Yavam. And she's possible to marry Levi. She has the possibility to marry another uh, brother, Vashul Yavam, Joshua to the Yavam. To exclude the other six Arias that are more strict. Since they cannot marry any one of the brothers, will say that their co-wives are allowed. Because she's only a Tzara from the brother itself. We know that it's Asr to marry. How do you know what the punishment is? Omar Kro, Kol Ish. Asher Yasa Mikol Hatayeva Sa'ilu Vichulu, any man who does this, Vinichrasu Anefashahi, Mikaravam, Amod, right, that uh, there's going to be a Chiyov Kores. Okay? So, bottom line is, any time a man is going to go ahead and do Yibum in a place where he wasn't allowed to, there's going to be a Chiyov Kores. In all these cases of Mishnah, for example, a Chiyov Kores. Um, and not only for the Arias itself, but even for the co-wife. Okay. Now, says the Gemara. Let's, uh, let, we'll, we'll pick up from here tomorrow as well. I just want to finish off the daf. And then this is a little bit of a new idea. Time with the Kos Rahman Allah. We just explained the reason why a wife's sister is usher to fall to Yibam. Because the Torah says, Aleha. And we made a Shava, like we said, towards the top of the Yomar. If not the Gzair Shava, Havamina Achis I would have said, do Yibam on your sister-in-law. My time. Why are you allowed to do yibum? Darmin asi asay v'dachil asay. Why are you allowed to do yibum? I'm going to say that say of doing yibum is going to override the losa say the negative transgression of marrying your sister-in-law. Amar amrin asay asi asay v'dachil asay. We only say that asay is dechal asay. It was when you have a lisa say great though. When it's only a lisa say lisa say she is by kares me dachil. But a lisa that has kares does attack a push off the su. And furthermore, lisa say great them and alone the dachil. How do we talk and know that a lisa say alone? Does push it off? How do you talk and know that? Answers the Gemara. Dechsev like so ba shatnes gedilim tasa lecha. You're not allowed to wear shatnes, but you should make tzitzis. And therefore, that lets us know that even though in general you're not allowed to wear shatnes, but since there's an assay, a mitzvah of tzitzis, so in such a scenario, it would be permitted to put tzitzis on that garment. We'll hold it here for this evening. Veshem tomorrow we'll back up and we'll give a gishmaka introduction to this whole topic of assay. And Lysa say, have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody.